it's a very important uh, time of year for music, awards season. We got the Grammys. Couple, well, I guess by the time we release this, the Grammys will be over. So that makes it even better if we make some predictions on the Grammys. Fortune Kit Grammy after party is no longer hot. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> we have a problem. But uh, we also got the Junos coming up in May, though, and I think that's more fascinating because we have no idea who the fuck any of these artists are. So uh, myself included, uh, even though I am Canadian, I have looked at the Juno nominees and cannot identify most of them. So that'll be a little more exciting. But we gotta we gotta take a look at the Grammys here. I, the one I got pulled up right now is Best Children's Music Album. Oh. They could only find two nominees for this, apparently, which seems... Like they're not even trying anymore, right? But There have to be more than that. That's one of the ones we're supposed to get in just through the dearth of content for that one. So if you make a, a, a children's album or a Christian album or like an album with a really elaborate gatefold... Mm-hmm you're kind of a shoe-in for that category, as long as you have, like, a label submitting you. If I had known that the talent was so thin, I would have just submitted the E1 um, Farmer in the Dell. Yeah, I would have made a Christmas album. I would have done, like, Camp Town Races and stuff. It would have taken a couple (laughs) hours. Do you guys think maybe there aren't a lot of nominees in the children's category because uh, the the Grammys were worried about, like, QAnon backlash and they're kind of trying to downplay? Yeah. (laughs) They're gonna, QAnon's going to storm the Grammys. The less people they nominate, the less likely it is a guy with like a buffalo headdress is going to um, take the podium away from whatever Doja Cat. So the only two nominees for children's album are Joni Leeds for All the Ladies. That doesn't sound like it's about children. And Justin Roberts for Wild Life. Mm. I don't know who you guys think is going to take this one. I'm going to say uh, whatever the wildlife one is, that, that guy. Me too, because all the ladies does not about, sound like it's even about children. Is that about animals, or is it about, like, living wild? I don't know. I don't want to find out either. If it's about having a wild life, I don't know if I want kids hearing that. Making a children's... doing crazy stuff. Making a children's music record uh, f- called For All the Ladies is basically like making a superhero movie where Batman says the F word. It's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. It really brings a new dimension to it. So the further you go down in the Grammy nominations, the weirder it gets. You've got, like, American Roots and Americana. I saw something interesting in here, that the only place where Kanye West shows up is for Best Contemporary Christian Album <laughs> for Jesus is King, which I feel like came out six years ago. That's something yeah, that's does feel that way. happening with this stuff, and I don't know how much of it is that they have a, like a weird time delay on stuff, because I saw Circles by Post Malone, which I thought was from five years ago, because I've heard it uh, at my old job. I was on the pop station every day, um, and usually they don't play the new stuff. They get something in rotation from three years ago and spin it over and over. Yeah, the Grammys definitely does have some weird cycle like that though where a lot of this stuff is like 2019 and then the yeah. pandemic just makes it feel even more ancient than that you know yeah jesus is king is 2019 so a lot of that stuff and then way down uh it gets weird yeah spoken word album is an interesting category yes because it now includes poetry audiobooks and storytelling whereas it used to be like henry rollins and uh um I don't know, Gil Scott Heron, yeah. that kind of shit. Slam poetry. And now it's books. 
Yeah, and um, I'm trying to find it, but uh, it's all audiobooks. So we've got um, Acid for the Children, a memoir by Flea. Uh, we've got a, a biography of Alex Trebek, read by Ken Jennings. We've got Catch and Kill by Ronan, uh, Ronan Farrow. And then we have Blowout, Corrupted Democracy, Rogue State Russia, and the Richest, Most Destructive Industry on Earth by Rachel Maddow. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're gonna put that shit in there why don't you just put bill o'reilly like killing lincoln or whatever exactly and then like charlotte's web by meryl Street. charlotte's web is truly like a bridge too far because you could just pull up the audible page and do the uh audiobook for pride and prejudice exactly does like the public domain Street, shit that's uh, always in the top 10 is this meryl streep trying to find the cheapest way to get an egot where she's like I got the E-Ot. I just got to get the G, and I'm just going to read Charlotte's Web to get the Grammy. Uh, I guess so. I, sh- I should have uh, submitted my 13-hour uh, voice memo recording of all of the school bond dog tweets, replies. <laughs> yeah. C-A school bonds. Yeah. I'm friends the with them now. The name stands for Charles Austin school bond. Are you friends with them now, Alex? I keep uh, going back and forth with them like, being nice to them and like trying to make friends with them or uh like it, it's weird they're very weird people they're fun to kind of like like i saw leave, that you were ma school around. bonds for a while yeah so. it was ma school bonds i got a, i got some retweets from those people uh for going <laughs> in on glenn greenwald it's it's weird i like Funny. i like <laughs> yeah. i like throwing a wrench into that shit yeah uh, especially yeah. when there are people who are like well uh true anon is associated with this guy which is associated with this guy and they're all the this united front <laughs> Yeah, those people fucking but, suck. Like, man. no, podcasters all hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> and also have no power whatsoever anywhere. <laughs> yeah, they're just posting. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised and impressed you didn't end up in that Alexander Reed Ross article. No, I'm not political enough, really. I don't get serious long enough. That's the way to do it. Because there's yep. no reason to. Like, what? You have Anything I can say, yeah. everybody already knows. Yeah, that's how I feel all the time. It's like I don't really have. It's just exhausting to just repeat shit everyone knows. Yeah, like everyone who follows us already agrees and thinks the same things as us. You know. Yeah, like we're Obama first term two now. I've seen yeah. it. We've been there. It's happening again. I think the but white this time. I think the one po- good political use of Twitter is um, attacking the media class and just digging up stuff on them and posting it and humiliating them. Yeah, but it's it is fun. fun like, yeah. It's funny in a cultural way rather than a political way. Yeah, right? it like, achieves. You're not, it's not a political act. It's just funny. Yeah, it achieves nothing. You're just you're just throwing eggs and tomatoes at people. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're the people who take it the most seriously. They, it's yeah, funny. There's be- something to be said for that. It is funny. <laughs> it's funny because they get really angry. Yeah, yeah they, absolutely. They think they're like, they're supposed to run it, sort of. Yeah, they're that's saying, why they're always demanding stuff of at Jack. Like, uh, excuse me, I'm a journalist. I work for, uh, I work for the Daily Beast. So, you need to get rid of all this, uh, the hoi polloi down here. I'm a journalist. I work for Politico. Uh, I've been published five times, and I need you to uh, nuke. Uh, an account that has 1,300 followers. Uh, it's a Russian guy. He said something mean to me. They need to make a double blue check mark for journalists. <laughs> they would love that. It doesn't give them any, they don't get any actual power, but it just looks different for them. Yeah. It should be a five star rating based on how famous you are. Yes. So you <laughs> yeah, can have like t- three and a half blue checks. And if you're like Ariana Grande, you get the full five. 
And if you're uh, someone with a thousand followers who wrote for Politico once in 2014, uh, half of the, half of a blue check. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, back to the Grammys, though. I'm looking at the best contemporary blues album, and it looks like uh, G Love has uh, separated from the Special Sauce to release an album called The Juice. Oh fuck! Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, what I, is blues? I, Especially because contemporary blues is separate from traditional blues on here. Like, what? What even is either of those? I can't believe I had to apologize separately to G Love and the Special Sauce after throwing uh, deli meat at them from a tower while they were performing at Oshiaga. <laughs> they, thre- they threatened to beat me up. Did they? Yeah, they said uh, the next time you come to Philly, you're dead. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. And you've never returned. You can't tour there anymore. Yeah, I've never, and I never played in Philadelphia ever. <laughs> <laughs> ever again. Hometown heroes. Yeah. They stood up for their city and kept the riffraff out. Yeah. The juice. I wonder what this, that's in reference to. I don't know. I hope the special sauce is putting out a competing album, though. Yeah. Best boxed or limited uh, limited edition package. This is where they give the people who were, like, ripped off in past years the, uh, <laughs> the participation trophy. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Wilco and Grateful Dead and Depeche Mode. In like continuing uh, the discussion of genres that are so poorly defined they don't mean anything, the best American Roots performance has uh, both like John Prine and um, Brittany Howard from the Alabama Shakes. Huh. So like, what is the overarching sound between them? You know. I think we're at a point in time where we've had more of post uh, rock and roll pop music. And how long was American Roots a thing? Yeah, like it's Nora that's, Jones, that's why it's always John weird Prine, to me. Brittany yeah. Howard. Like none, I don't see the connection between like any of those. Can they just put every non-pop category into Roots now? Like, does that make sense? Like, just put jazz in there, um, classical, metal. Like, that's all the roots of contemporary music, right? Yeah, like I, we just don't need to give that much attention to Roots music. I don't think. Like, it's a historical thing. That's interesting if you're into musicology or you're into that. You like how it sounds, but I just don't know what it means. <laughs> having a category, like what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, do you need? It just means. Do you need blo- acoustic instruments? Yeah, like do you need a blues category if you have a roots category? I don't think so. Just smush them all together. It's fine. Or they need to go the opposite route and just have like a chill wave category and all these <laughs> like niche genres that only existed for three years. C punk category. Oh yeah, witch house category. Best witch house release. <laughs> yeah. They should make that for Azalea Banks. They should give her the C-Punk Award. Yes. <laughs> Maybe she would be less angry. Every year she gets and nominated. The, uh, best ringtone of the year. It's still cranked at Soldier Boy every year. Yeah. They should do that. He deserves it. Every year he should be recognized for making the most popular ringtone of all time. For all time. Because there aren't going to be ringtone sales in the future. He got that record yeah. and it's all over now. Best best wax Edison cylinder goes to hey that's my baby um, every year in a row since uh, <laughs> 1920. I've, no, I the guy who plays Boy. the saw in Neutral Milk Hotel <laughs> makes Edison wax cylinders, so he would win that Just, every year. <laughs> 
but like um you know how like in years since like in Detroit there's like TJX6 and stuff and these guys who do scam rap where they're just like rapping about how to do credit card scams and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's making me think about Soldier Boy of he's the only one who went from rapper to just pure scammer <laughs> where he used to actually rap and now every time you hear about him it's because he has like some bootleg uh game console he's trying to sell <laughs> and he gets like shut down for pirating it, you know, like he just went to pure scammer, but he's not even good at it. At least TJX6's scams are things like he's telling you how to do to help you out in your life. But Soldier Boy's like not even good at scamming. I wish I could actually buy some of Soldier Boy's game consoles and stuff, because it seems like they sell out and he never ships them out, and there's no way yeah, to actually I don't buy them by the time you find out. Because he gets sued every time. Yeah, because he's like, ah, copyrighted Nintendo games for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean... Does it, so what does he do? He he makes a proprietary game console and loads it up with like ROMs. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's always you can called buy like the Soldier Alibaba. Station or whatever. I have one of the, yeah. I have one of those like not a Soldier Boy one, but the guy who makes them does not advertise. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're kind of supposed to keep it on the DL a little bit. Yeah, yeah. that's what like makes Soldier Boy so funny. Like, is he doesn't stuff. know how to yeah. do, like it's not that hard to like see what the like everyone's doing that shit there's already a culture to it but he's too stupid and he wants to brand it so strongly himself that he just gets himself in trouble yeah and he's bragging about it mario's on here (laughs) (laughs) the very famous nintendo game mario see what else do we got in the grammys this year i'm seeing something called porgy and bess nominated for uh uh best contemporary classical record or best opera recording crazy that's uh I'm going to assume it's an all-black performance. That's a, that's a little bit of a rough one, because it's like, it was done lovingly by Gershwin, but it, it's a, if you hear like performances of those songs, it's a little bit yeah. minstrelly. Yeah. yeah. You know what sucks? They, I just want to say they have best classical instrument solo, but they don't have best guitar solo, and they claim to be uh, representing rock music. Ooh, not yeah, that's terrible. Oh, not cool, man. That that just reminded me, though, Dan, when you were looking earlier at um, what categorizes each thing in each particular genre. So, taking rock as an example, uh, to be nominated for best rock album uh, is for albums containing at least fifty-one percent playing time of new rock, hard rock, or metal recording. So, so I could make an album that was sixty minutes long. And 31 of those minutes could be rocking songs, and then the remaining 29 could be like Mare's Bow. Yeah, or they could just be old music. I think if artists want to be strategic about winning Grammys now, you should only make 51% of an album at any time and then just fill out the last 49% with your last album. That's really smart, Charles. That's smart. Yeah, I think you're right. This is like, are you working hard or are you working smart? Exactly. So the Junos are like the Grammys, but better. Yeah, they're like oh, much better. They're like the um, they've got they've got a little more uh, they're a little spicier, you know, higher highs. I think I have the perfect um, proof of that because we started with the extremely paltry children's album of the year Grammy nominations, but listen to the fucking high caliber artists they have for children's album at the Junos. Okay, we got the album Letters and Numbers by ABC Sing Song. <laughs> yes, we have. Good Night to You All, Traditional Lullabies from Ireland and the UK by Charlie Hope. Awesome. We have Small But Mighty by Gina Lena. We have Je Mon Ecole 
by Njacko Bacco and the Kalimbas at work. <laughs> and we have um, Heart Parade by Splashin' Boots. I mean, that's just a fantastic lineup of nominees. How come ABC Sing Song's not on Spotify? I'm trying to listen to this. Maybe I wonder if it's only in Canada. It's, it's only on Canadian Spotify. Here, let me check. This is on TV. This is a TV show. Well, a TV show can be an album. It's Well, where's the album? That's what I want to know. On TV. Yeah, as long as 51% of the uh, show is music, it could co- qualify as an album. <laughs> oh, I found it on SoundCloud. Ooh, it won a Parents' Choice Award. This is weird. You should listen to this. Ooh, the song's only 50 seconds long. I'm listening to this album, and I do have to yeah, give them too. credit. They got all the way from A to Z. Sufjan Stevens gave up after two states. True. But and actually, they went they above and the beyond, because there's 36 tracks on this album. They did one through ten after they did A to Z, and it's all one album. They did the numbers. Incredible. They should have done, like, the, the at sign and exclamation point, dollar sign. Yeah. <laughs> Ampersand. It's on a keyboard. I'm calling it uh, ABC Sing Song is going to sweep the children's category in the uh Yeah, that's pretty good Karinos. stuff. That's got to win, yeah. It has sort of a DIY vibe, too. Like, the vocals seem kind of, like, under-delivered, where it just seems like they're doing it in their bedroom or something. Yeah. I'm it's like bedroom pop for children. Getting kind of a Crystal Castles vibe from the, um, from the uh, music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ABC Sing Song. Um, I mean, they might face some uh, competition from Splashing Boots for their album Heart Parade. Let's check, check out their description here. Oh, they're six-time nominees and one-time winners already. Oh, Splash is Nick Adams, and Taze Leave It is Boots, and together they're Splashin' Boots. Splashin' Boots. They have a 20-year legacy of ubiquity in the children's music landscape. Do they? Yeah. I was a child within the last 20 years. You weren't a Canadian child, though. That's true. Their album Heart Parade is obviously just a ripoff of uh, Wolf Parade and This Heart's on Fire. Exactly, yeah. Not happy about that, but, you know, I, I wish them all the best. Neil Young is putting out an album called Colorado. And it's nominated for Rock Album of the Year in the Junos, which seems, I don't know. I would have mixed feelings about that because that's not about Canada. They're making this thing just to puff up Canadian artists and then they want to go and sing about America? Yeah, ouch. Yeah, that should be automatic disqualification. It has to be about Canada. Yeah, we need our, we need our singers and songwriters to be talking about their lived experience. We need sons of the soil. We need people like Jade Eagleson, Canadian country uh, singer and songwriter from Balleboro, Ontario, just south of the GTA. His description starts, raised on his grandparents' farm in southern Ontario. (laughs) Jade grew up working alongside his father, tending crops and raising livestock. And while life may have led him off the farm for a stint here and there, it always brought him back just the same. So So that's... One of the mo- that is the most populated region of the country, like one of the most populated regions of North America. Yes, and one of the first places in North America to be like permanently settled. <laughs> like, I'm just checking. I'm just checking to see. Let's see how far this uh, simple country farm is from, say, the fourth biggest metropolis in North America. Let's see. Well, it's a it's a. It's an hour and 40 minutes away from Toronto, downtown Toronto. I guess that's all you need. It's the country if you go right outside the city limits, like the second the suburbs end. Yeah, the thing... uh, Even if you're fully within, like, the uh, cultural and economic circle of those cities, 
as long as it's a, a it's above fifty one percent cornfields. Well, you guys probably you're don't basically know, in Kentucky. You don't know this because you're Americans, but the thing that um, Toronto and the greater Toronto area is definitely not famous for is uh, being a high density urban sprawl that stretches uh, hundreds of kilometers in either direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you just go right outside of that. That's yeah. On one of his music videos, Alex, you saw that comment where someone was like, the South will rise again. And it's like, what, like Southern Ontario? <laughs> yeah. Like what? Like Toronto? <laughs> that thing's so weird. I wrote an article about that years ago about how people mm-hmm. everywhere have this Confederate identity and it makes no sense. Like it, you're in Canada. Yeah. The yeah. Confederate flag. Yeah. Not only are you and in it's not Can- even the South of Canada, it's no. like the North of Canada. I've got like I have more claim to being like a rural bumpkin than this guy does. <laughs> like, yeah, I absolutely. do too. I think. And his music video, like, well, his his music's interesting because it's just complete cookie cutter pop country that sounds like every American pop country artist to a T. Like, there's basically nothing Canadian about it. Uh, how would you and guys? My favorite just... thing in his video, or sorry, what? Oh, I was going to ask how you would uh, describe his, uh, how would you describe his accent? Would you describe it as Canadian, like identifiably Canadian or something else? It's uh, the country voice. I think they might just have like a Hatsune Miku thing that yeah, all those tracks are done by because they all have the same. They do just need, that's a great point. We actually just need a pop country Hatsune Miku. Like, let's just get it over with, you know? Yeah, she can have like uh, she can be dressed like the girl in this video, where it's uh, there should be like cowboy VTubers too, where you can just get an avatar of a generic country guy and and stream. Yeah, I want to see an anime girl in cowboy boots, and Daisy Dukes in a Confederate tank top, singing the Jade girl, Eagleson. The girl in the Jade Eagleson video looks a lot like the trad wife meme. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I wonder what's up it, with that. That's an interesting video. He has this, um, I guess it's a continuing storyline in his videos where it's two children. Uh, the boy is singing his lines and then there's a girl and it's like, it's a, a, an adult relationship, an adult courtship, but it's child's. And it's, they're talking about wine and the kid holds up a bottle of red wine and it's a little weird. It sucks. Well, it gets to my favorite thing about contemporary pop country where... At one point, uh, the little boy character wearing his cowboy hat and big belt buckle picks up a stack of dollar bills and starts making it rain because every country artist has to let you know that they like hip hop too, you know? That's right. So they need to do some kind of thing that a rapper would do to show how with it they are. Yeah, they have to let you know that they might pretend that they're sons of the soil and that they're poor and that they have this working class identity, but they all, their dad owns an oil rig. Yeah, at the end of and the day, they actually have lane. infinite money and they've never had an actual job. Yes. Yep. <laughs> God, Jade Eagleson is a really funny name, too. Like, these Juno Award nominees are blowing the Americans out of the water on just stupid names. Uh, oh, and, yeah. You know. Canadian music is on top right now, if you ask me. I was expecting him to be pretending to be First Nations. Because that would at yeah, least give you like a, yeah. a little bit of a, like a rural, traditional credibility well but i guess he's just like so only uh, poet only poets and authors in uh, canada do race faking 
So that's that's kind of their territory. It hasn't really spilled over into music yet. Oh, here it's just politicians. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jade Eagleson got his big break in 2017 when he earned his way into the Emerging Artist Showcase at Boots and Hearts. How many does Canada only have like 10 words? Because like Splash and Boots just did their album Heart Parade. <laughs> he performed at Boots and Hearts. It seems like there's a very narrow vocabulary up there. Yeah, there's not a lot of not a lot of creativity going on with this stuff here. It's a multi-day country music and camping festival. Oh, that sounds that sounds awful. That's yeah. in southern Ontario. Yeah, they actually started doing one of those. Uh, I forget what it's called on Vancouver Island. It's called like Sunfest. It's called Sunfest, I think. And uh, they they started doing this festival in the town that I grew up in. And you know, there's about. 3,500 people in that town, maybe 2,500 people even. But they do this big country music festival, and uh, everybody goes and pretends to be... It's it's totally brain-poisoned uh, island, Vancouver Island boomers who are kind of searching for their identity in this like post-millennium era. And now they're all retired, and they all live in the woods, and now they can be like, actually, we're rednecks, you know? Even though they're like... Uh, retired school teachers or government workers that can be like, well, yeah. well. <laughs> also living in the circle of one of the biggest metropolises in the region. Exactly. Living a stone's throw from uh, Vancouver. <laughs> like, I got to start doing that. Being uh, just outside the northeastern megalopolis from Boston down to D.C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. northeastern <laughs> far enough outside of that that like, I grew up across the street from a cornfield. Yeah. Yeah, Alex, you're just some country dipshit. I'm just, I'm so goddamn stupid. <laughs> but you have a simple wisdom about you. Yeah. I may eat dirt, but the taste of it gives me a lot of wisdom. Yeah, you may eat dirt every day, but you know, you could teach those politicians a thing or two if you could just give them a piece of your mind. Yeah. That's right. And your and your mama's apple pie solve a lot of things. Yeah. You need to start doing truck sessions. <laughs> well. <laughs> like a big old truck. I, I can't describe to you guys, as a Canadian uh, who grew up in a rural town, how much I fucking hate this. <laughs> I loathe this shit. This guy, I guess this guy got radicalized in Alberta, because um, I'm reading an interview in the Peterborough Examiner. Well, he uh, describes how instead of diving into music, he um, moved to Alberta for work, which I'm assuming is like in the uh, tar sands. And then came back uh, countrified, cool. which uh, which sort of supports my theory that um, aside from uh, aside from Aaron, that uh, Alberta just produces uh, like a toxic cloud, you know, just cultural it's like cultural Canada toxicity. South. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, it absolutely. But it doesn't is. have like it's different than the South because it's based on natural resources. Yes. Resource extraction but and not like... Texas Texas is similar in some ways. Yeah, yeah, it's like Texas, but like the same effect that the Confederate stuff has on white people who are outside of, just outside of the suburbs, Alberta has that effect on Canadians. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine a Texas where 99.9% um, of the population live in a thin band along the border, you know? Yeah. The Boots and Hearts Music Festival... I keep thinking about how depressing that must be because it's gathering of the juggalos, but with worse music and there are no drugs, just beer. 
<laughs> That's a very it's good point. It's just beer. <laughs> yeah. To and listen you get to, to young listen Jade to... Eagleson yeah. sing about his truck. What Hunter it? Hayes, Shane Yellowbird. Or no, he's Aboriginal. That's his real name. Uh, Gord Downey and the Sadies. Okay, uh, you know, Gord Downey, singer for the Tragically Hip. Uh, only good, yeah, why was he there? Only good thing about that band. But the Sadies are good. I would say the Sadies are good. They're a great live band. I don't know why they'd go to one of these things. I mean, I guess you need a paycheck, but it, the Boots and Hearts really just... I Yeah, I'm seeing weird uh, Lionel Richie. <laughs> weird. Why was Lionel Richie there in 2012? Why did that happen? It seems like it's gotten farther from that over time, looking at the lineups. They had, yeah, maybe we need to look at 2020 and, or 2019 instead of like beginning of the 20s. You know, if, okay. They had Carrie Underwood, Kid Rock, Lionel Richie, Cheryl Crow. So it was sort of uh, white people. Yeah, like uh, I'm thinking about this more. And if, if anyone has a claim to, uh, you know, the, what I consider like the true core of country music, right? Like the good part of country music and has, and has a claim to that in Canada, it's indigenous people. Like it's people like Willie Dunn, you know, like it's not, uh, like, uh, Skylar Toplerson from fucking, uh, Etobicoke, like doing, doing, <laughs> doing like American cosplay. Yeah. I feel like maybe this, uh, came up when we had Matt on like briefly, but like the idea that these are the most like nationalistic patriotic Canadians and their whole thing is emulating America is like the most cucked thing ever, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. so pathetic. It's, like, it's embarrassing. First nations were out there getting those furs. We were just buying them. We just pull up in the port and pay them. They were out there in the woods. I love to be I love to be an oppressed like uh, large white boy from Peterborough, Ontario. I love to sing about my economic oppression living in uh, one of the most densely populated places on the continent. Actually, I'm looking at his um, bio now, and we were talking about his voice earlier. Apparently, his voice has a classic country sound that takes you back to the days of Johnny Cash. So I guess we were wrong about him. Oh well. <laughs> That wasn't that long ago. I mean, Johnny Cash, he didn't die in 1960. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rufus Wainwright. Yeah. He he looks like Bam Margera now. That's not good. It's really not. <laughs> so the other guy that we zeroed in on on the Junos, uh, let me go over to it. Rap Recording of the Year. It's a collaboration between BBNO dollar sign, pronounced Baby No Money. Baby, no money. He's a, he's a rapper from Vancouver. With uh, the thinnest mustache you've ever seen. And Yeah, when you click on these artists, it gives you a picture that's very high resolution and very zoomed in. So you can like see individual nose hairs and shit. Baby, no money has um, anarchist wrecker face. Like he's the guy that joins your organization and then immediately starts causing uh, problems talking about like... Uh, structural issues within the uh, starts talking about like uh horizontal organizing and shit he's basically like he has was bapping face yeah <laughs> he's got, he's got round, like shitty frame glasses face. a beanie kind of a smug disdainful look about him like he's about to explain something to you uh and he collaborated with young gravy who on 
their album Baby Gravy 2. <laughs> I think uh, Dan described as a high school bully who takes acid once. Yeah, and decides yeah, he's a hippie. Definitely right. He's got like the shitty the shitty smirk of like a high school bully, but he's wearing like a like a psychedelic poncho. Yeah, he's got sort of a like kind of beady little eyes and red hair and a square jaw. And he reminds me of uh, the bully from A Christmas Story. Yes, that's it. And also the older brother from The Wonder Years. Also, yes. He's like a cross between those two guys. Yeah, he's he's a real why, why do you keep hitting yourself type dude. But he dresses like Macklemore, and he had a, a hit called Mr. Clean a couple of years ago, produced by White Shinobi. <laughs> <laughs> and it samples the part from Mr. Sandman that's like... And that's less bad than the other thing. The, uh, the big oh, baby big no money single that blew up is called La La yeah. La. And it's... And it- it's a direct ripoff of the Camila Cabello song Havana that was everywhere a couple of years ago. Yeah. Same like tempo. It sounds exactly same, like it. Like timbre to it. It's like da 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 It's exactly the same, but it's two white fellas in Canada. Yeah, shit sucks. So they have from Vancouver, which is about as far as you can possibly get from Latin America. Yes. Like in the northern hemisphere or in the in the western hemisphere, unless you go up to like Greenland. It's Um, uh man. Also I'm kinda wondering here if this is a little bit of a Canadian um not self effacement, but like uh what word am I looking for here? Like just Canadians being um self-conscious about being inferior, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because in the description of this album they spell out all the numbers that are really high. Like, so uh, Baby No Money, he's a two-time Juno Award nominee with over 1.8 billion streams. But they spell that out 1-8-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0. Then they say, yes, 1.8 billion streams. And then later they also spell out 700 million with 10 zeros. Like, or, yeah, yeah. Got to see those zeros. So it seems very like self-conscious and pathetic in a way. Yeah. It's very self-aware in a way that just, bums me out it's like a hundred gex but more than that where you can tell that they're uh they're ironic they're hip they know the memes they're like self-effacing and stuff but they're clearly smart enough that maybe they shouldn't be making shitty ringtone rap yeah like maybe i don't know make something a little better if you're like so smart and self-aware that's yeah, at not, least like a hundred gex debuted by being really abrasive and like outside of really generic sounds, but these guys are just doing the most like they're just directly ripping off the most popular thing from a year or two ago. Yes. Yeah. It's just a a shitty rap pop song that sounds like another one that was already famous, but with a bunch of smirking around it in like an epic video. So like we know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. We're smart. Yeah, and even their um, bio on the Juno's website reads, it's like the bio equivalent of what you're describing, where it's like, they were featured on over 350 Spotify staff curated playlists. <laughs> like, that's like their accolades, you know? That's not good. That is not good. That just means the yeah. label paid them a lot of money. That's, you're not exactly supposed that. to say that. Don't say that. Uh, we sucked off over 200 Juno judges. <laughs> 
But I hope they win. I hope they win that one. I hope the ABC people win uh, the children's music. I think that if they win, uh, Baby No Money could afford some mustache extensions. (laughs) Oh, yeah, get a mustache weave. I hope Taylor Swift wins International Album of the Year at the Junos, which she is nominated for. I love that they do that. I don't know if it's to um, sort of get more publicity by putting in bigger artists that might uh, get Americans to tune in, or if it's them trying to throw shade because like America will do the best international movie or whatever for the See, entire world. I was, I was thinking about that too. And I think it'd be really funny if they were doing it as like a diss to America, <laughs> but they put it third from the top I, above almost every Canadian so category. Pathetic. Yeah, I, that's the thing. They should put it, it at the very bottom. That would be funny. I love, but it's I, way I love to top. be, I love to throw shade at uh, the most popular entertainers on the planet by acknowledging them and <laughs> offering them an award. <laughs> Literally uh, international album of the year is listed above Canadian album. of the so, year. Oh, yeah, that's God, insane. Just, and the Canadian <laughs> albums of the year are already Justin Bieber, the weekend Celine Dion. It's already stuff. That's like not even really Canadian. You know, it's, you want to, yeah, you want to just s- international already. Like we can't even get the fucking vaccine here. Like you want to free up some money for vaccines. Just nuke the Junos. We don't need them. Let's get rid of them. Yeah, why can't they just give all that money to I think to we need everybody? them because it gives us something to talk about for a while. They're doing us a favor by hosting the Junos so we can look at uh, Baby No Money. <laughs> That's true. Who paradoxically has plenty of money and always did. I mean, I guess I guess Canadians or I guess Canadian uh, music industry people do need like a weekend for themselves, you know, where they can all meet up and uh, pat each other on the back for promoting shit like Baby No Money. Yeah, where uh, superstars like Jade Eagleson can rub elbows with uh, Young Gravy. Yeah, and uh, traditional Roots Album of the Year nominated artists, Biolatch. Actually, maybe we should make some more predictions here. Who do you guys think is going to win for Album Francophone de la Année? La Cowboys Frangon. That's my pick. Oh, yeah, their album Les Antipodes. I don't know how to fucking pronounce French, but... You should read all these for us. No. Dude. This is Canada. Speak English. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll read them so I mispronounce yeah, it's them. better all. if you Actually, I won't even try to pronounce them. Uh, two Les Vents by Two Freres. <laughs> we got Notre Dame Decept Duelers by Chloe Pelgag. <laughs> we, got, <laughs> we got Les Antipodes by Les Cowboy Fringants. <laughs> <laughs> we got Quand la Nuit Tomb by Louis John Cormier. I can't fucking, we, have, uh, <laughs> we have Pour de Jurer Les Ennuis by Pierre Lapointe. I'm one eighth French Canadian. Okay. We're allowed to do it. I take it back. We need to keep the Junos. Charles, you need to present the Francophone. Yeah, they should let me present award. It should only be You need to present the Francophone award so Quebec starts yeah, F- dude. F- so Quebec starts FLQ two and starts bombing mailboxes again. <laughs> do the uh, John Travolta Dina Menzel thing, but for every single name. I'm gonna go with Lay Cowboys on this one. I think. Yeah, I think that's the safe bet. Um, because by being the cowboys they get the crossover um like american obsession thing you know oh my god (laughs) 
It's insane that the Grammys doesn't have a category like this. They have like roots and blues and roots and blues. Why don't we have a French category? Like, fuck Yeah, that. very unfair um, to people living in New Orleans. Yeah, there are plenty of French speakers. There should be like a Tagalog category. Yes. Yeah. I mean, those are all bigger cultures, active cultures than like bluegrass or whatever shit they keep paying attention to. Contemporary classical. Yeah, contemporary classical is... And the winner I'm is... I'm sure there's some very talented people still doing that, but like... Like the piano yeah. guys. I wonder how many... Maybe I was sad just, to see they're not nominated this year. No nominations for piano guys. You don't have to only use like violins and shit. I just imagine if you're Philip, composing. Philip you can use anything. winning every single year, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Philip Glass is up against the piano guys every year. <laughs> exactly. Also, it's really funny to like ghettoize French music into one category because I'm assuming these are all different genres where they just happen to speak in French, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, Clope, Helgag. Oh, come on. The description's in French. I, I have to do translate. Oh, that's funny because the two frères are in English. <laughs> the very influential American journalist Anthony Fantano criticized the album on his YouTube channel, The Needle Drop, <laughs> unheard of for a French album. <laughs> They're bragging about Wait, that? Did did he... I think critique. I, th- I don't know if think that's... he critiqued it. He critiqued it. He reviewed it. Yeah, I don't know if that means he talked about it in context. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, or, yeah. I don't know if <laughs> it would be funny if he criticized it. This stinks. Yeah, it could mean a critique <laughs> as in a review. I think yeah, it means review. He reviewed it. Yeah. I stood in line behind him at uh, the bathroom at a Chapo show. Oh, really? Nice. <laughs> He's a pretty big guy. You should have been like, now I'm just a country dipshit, but I think your reviews are a bunch of uh, professional managerial class hogwash. I'm too stupid to watch your videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where I could find them. I only know about uh, network television. Violons, sages, et piano, foo, cohabitant, dance on album, capatooks. Harmonique, <laughs> Kate Bushien, ooh, regnant, tajours, les, mellow, peas, see, originalis. Ooh, Kate Bushien. I love her. I love how French sounds when you I read it phonetically. It's love, so funny. I love how it sounds when you guys speak French. It makes me very happy. Oh, we can read all these yeah, artists. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. So this one is for um, Les Antipodes. Uh, les textes du guitariste Jean-Francois Pause <laughs> sont rendus à Merville par la manure de Foiry Carl Tremblay, manure. le indefatigable bassist Jérôme Duprat, <laughs> oh, et la multi-interimentaliste accomplie Marie-Annick Lépine. Lures 20 ans de la carrière <laughs> annonce vous passer 30 nominations au Gala de la Adisc, Gala de la Adisc, parmi les quels 12 lures vaudrant wow. un Felix. A ce jour, la formation culmile. Cool cumule 20 <laughs> tournees in Europe et a presente son 10 spectacle a la Olympia de Paris in 2019. <laughs> Damn, that's awesome. Les textes yeah. du guitariste Jean-Francois Posé sont rendus à Marvel par la manure de foul Walt Tremblay. <laughs> that's the same one I just read. Yeah, <laughs> I had to put that one in. Yeah, that's really good. Oh, Cal- De La Manure. Thank you, guys. 
That cheered me up. See, I was feeling bad about the, um, I've already forgotten his name, uh, Jade, uh, Jade Country Guy. <laughs> Jade Turpentine, Son of the Soil. Uh, and now, Dirk Truck. And now I'm Dirk Truck, yeah. And now I'm just smiling. <laughs> Here's a good one. Here's a good sentence about Quan de la Nuit Tombe. Um, it says, Quatre Album Studio. Plusiers Felix et un Polaris plus Tard. Le musician Fate un Crochet. Vers un Carriere Solo. I'm telling Felix they called him a Tard. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. They talk about Felix a lot. Felix de la album Rock la Anne <laughs> de les Grandes Artistes or Arteries 2015. <laughs> Should I, should I apply to be a Juno judge? I should. Yes. Yeah, I think I so. Think you got the cred. I'm gonna do it. Then you can um, get us on the guest list, and we can all go. Yeah, I was wrong. And then maybe I can read the French category. I, there. I retract my previous statement about the Junos needing to be destroyed. Uh, I think the proper thing to do. The only way to uh, change this organization is from the inside. Yeah. I Yeah, we need to stop being so cynical and become part of the process if we want to change the process. I will be the thinly mustachioed anarchist wrecker at the Junos. <laughs> I have the Juno Award for Album of the Year pulled up for every year since it started. And it, apparently it's exactly like the Grammys in that they make decisions like um giving best album of the year 1978 to Dan Hill sometimes when we touch. Uh, in, instead of Farewell to Kings by Rush. <laughs> what? I didn't know that. That's a, <laughs> that is a travesty. Or Burton Cummings from the Guess Who instead of Hemispheres by Rush. I think the Junos are legally obligated to give Burton Cummings a Juno every time he, he's nominated for anything. Permanent Waves lost to Anne Murray's Greatest Hits. Oh, that is classically Canadian. This is, this is crazy. Moving Pictures lost to Loverboy. Holy shit. Eye of the Tiger. What what the fuck is wrong with these people? Every single year they nominate Rush and don't give them the, like, I, I'm sure at some point in the 90s they gave them one. They probably, probably in 2015. I bet, I bet they got holy a, shit. I bet they got a Juno for fucking Roll the Bones. Two years in a row they gave the, they gave it to Anne Murray, who's a country pop vocalist from like the 50s. Yep. Two years in a row, and then two years in a row, they gave it to Loverboy instead of Rush. They're, For two different Rush similar, albums. Uh, to the Grammys, Arcade Fire started getting Album of the Year at their third album. The first two didn't get any attention, but then they just started giving it to them every album after they were already extremely established. Grace Under Pressure by Rush lost to Cuts Like a Knife by Brian Adams. Oh, so typical. Power Windows lost to The Thin Red Line by Glass Tiger. I don't know. <laughs> Nickelback got album of the year in 2009. Oh, and then Brian Adams lost to Kim Mitchell. Well, which uh, which Kim Mitchell? The I Am a Wild Party? Uh, I don't think so. Or Might as Well Go for Soda? He was lead singer and guitarist for the band Max Webster. Yeah, he has a song called I Am a Wild Party that's like one of the most annoying things you'll ever hear in your life. Oh my god, in 2012, the album of the year winner was Michael Bublé's Christmas album. <laughs> <laughs> Having a Chris 
Christmas album be the album of the year so who funny is it, to who is, is he Canadian? He is. Who is it up against? Um, I don't know. I turned it on the mode where it's only the winners. I can switch it over, though. Let's see. Oh, Michael Buble is from British Columbia, and he's Croatian. What? I assumed that was a French name. I did not know that. You should hit him up. You have a couple interests in common. Well, I mean, his parents are probably Ustache. Oh, I hate, I hate those guys. Ooh, this is pretty good. Okay, so when Michael Buble won... He was up against Drake's second album, a Justin Bieber album, a Nickelback album, and an Avril Lavigne. Wait, what year? Justin is? Bieber Christmas album. What year was it? 2012. 2012. Yeah, you're right. There's two two of the five album of the year nominees were Christmas albums. Yeah, that doesn't make sense because it's every year, so it's not like that one was. <laughs> that one happened during and Christmas. Also, it's the same time Drake, every year. Drake was like hitting his cultural peak right then. And he didn't win. He lost to a Christmas album. Yeah, like how do you fuck that up? Like I don't love Drake, but that was yeah, this, that me, was his commercial peak. Objective, that was, yeah, this is an objective moment where Drake should have won that. And Michael Bublé's Christmas album. Uh, God, that's so. And if you're in funny. Canada, why don't you want to own that? Why don't you want to be like, oh, Drake has the biggest album in the world, and he's from here. I was nominated for alternative album of the year in 2010 and lost. Ooh, not bad. Yeah. Who'd you lose to? Uh, either Stars or Metric. I can't remember which one. Let's pull it up. Yeah. Yeah, Metric. There you go. Yeah. Other nominees: Handsome Furs. Would, that should have won, I think. I feel like it should have won. I feel like that's a real good record. See, if we were on the uh, panel, we could have uh, tried to rig it. Yeah. <laughs> we need to embrace the system. I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna, yeah, we should start paying people off. I'm going to get on the jury and get them to go and retroactively reassign Junos to people. Rush win. Rush <laughs> is going to win every year. Uh, I think the handsome first. I mean, I'm biased, but I think that record is good. So uh, I would vote that that get uh, awarded to me. Yeah, I mean, let's let's vote on it now. It's three votes for your album. I think it's unanimous. I'm a Juno winning. I'm a Juno winning artist. Amazing. Wolfred, zero nominations. It I is funny how they choosing a Christmas album as album of the year, though. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. Like in one year, too. I'm gonna look up what songs are on that. I'm looking at alternative albums now, and it, it's interesting how, for a while, they ignored the Arcade Fire. Yeah, I was noticing that during too. like their highest rated material, retrospectively. Um, because of our guest that we had and how good his production is. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then 10 years in, they catch on to it. And that happened with Modest Mouse in the U.S. too. Exactly. The Grammys always do that. Too. It was the same thing with like Wilco got a Grammy nomination for like their fifth or sixth album. Same thing with like the White Stripes. They're always like over a decade behind anything. Yeah. It's so weird how that happens because they're supposed to be industry insiders. And those aren't exactly like unsigned indie bands. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I mean, there's another. 4AD and like big uh, imprint labels. There's another thing at work in Canada uh, with the Junos, which is that there is an entire ecosystem of terrible Canadian music that everyone has to convince themselves to like self hypnotize into thinking is relevant and or good and or like JD and or popular outside of Canada. Which uh, it is generally none of those things, and and the Junos are kind of weighted in favor of that shit. So, uh, so if your band like Arcade Fire is technically Canadian and gets very popular outside of Canada, you're you're gonna get the cold shoulder until 
you become so popular, it's like embarrassing for the Junos to ignore you. Yeah. But what they really want to do is give Anne Murray a Juno every single year in a row. <laughs> or like or like a band that you've never heard of, you know, like the Arkells or something. Um, I pulled up that Juno winning Christmas album from Michael Bublé. To his credit, there's only one original song on it. So at least he didn't try to go... Uh, the uh, Megan Trainer route of like writing a bunch of originals. Yeah, thank God. You never want to do that. Um, my favorite thing though is at the end there's a hidden track that's five seconds long called Michael's Christmas Greeting. Hello, Merry Christmas. I am Michael. <laughs> exactly. That's it. It should be like not. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you know Christmas. Like, Fuck you. Zdravo, Dom so spremni. Uh, <laughs> In like the Spotify era, your track needs to be 30 seconds long to count as a play and monetize it, you know? So if he had made this more recently, I think he would have dragged that out to 30 seconds like, Hello, it's Michael Buble here. <laughs> Just wanted to say, Merry Be, uh, Christmas. I'm actually a Bosnian Muslim. Uh, I tricked all of you. I tricked all of you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Fuck Christmas. <laughs> Fuck Christmas. Man, this is so cool. Like... Despite how stupid every Grammy album of the year always is, choosing a Christmas album is just so cool. And so it's somehow very Canadian to me that they would do that. I agree. 2019 Breakthrough Artist of the Year was named Bulow. What? Bulow? Uh, yeah, like with the umlaut. Hmm. I don't know what she that is. She was born in 1999 in Berlin, Germany. She grew up and lived in the United Kingdom, Canada, the United States, and the Netherlands. So this is probably the family of uh, that old, uh, the old count who killed his wife. Yeah. That's good. probably, given the, how much he's moved around and stuff, that's probably in that, that circle of people. And that's a new thing that uh, seems to come up a lot, or people are noticing it more when there's a new artist and they suddenly get a ton of exposure. And then they find out, oh, your dad's in the CIA. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, wait a minute, your dad uh, is Jamie Dimon from Goldman Sachs. Like, yeah. I don't know. That seems to happen a lot. Yeah. Particularly with uh, female artists for yeah. some reason. Yeah, it's weird how that Though happens. Though I'm sure, I bet if you looked into it, Baby No Money is <laughs> probably, like... <laughs> There's, there must be some bad shit going on there. Uh, <laughs> Anytime someone blows up. I want to believe it, there is. His, his family yeah. were part of the Armenian SSR nomenklatura, and they had to flee. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's that, or then you just casually find out that like uh, a very like a very popular singer-songwriter's dad did a bunch of prison time for financial crimes, and they wrote an entire album about it. <laughs> <laughs> that news cycle just made me want to die. Okay, I, I have an article here from Noisy that says Bulow is already a big deal, and now the pop world has to catch up. Uh, Which okay, that feels incredibly artificial to me. Does like it? The exact thing I'm talking about, like because <laughs> I, I don't, I haven't heard of her. Megan Bulow, like many burgeoning musicians, took to the streets to busk at age 11. When the German-Canadian singer lived in England, a stop among many during her exceptionally nomadic life. That's not nomadic if your parents are rich and moving to, like, the fucking hay. <laughs> if you're 11. To and, work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, give me a break. That's not nomadic. You just have 
rich parents who do rich. like yeah. international finance or whatever they do. You know, fuck off. <laughs> I'm a nomad. Financiers are all very nomadic. When you go to hang out on your yacht on the weekends, that's nomad. Dude, God, it's the man, same thing. Fuck my childhood. I just remember like I, I'm 13 years old. I'm in Zurich. Dad's at work all the time. I'm like, I got to get out. I got to home my chaps. I got to go to downtown Zurich and busk. I was busking outside the Bilderberg group. I couldn't come in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The damaged EPs I made seven thousand dollars busking today. I recorded my first demo at the Icon Plaza in Singapore while mother was at work. The damaged EPs follow similar themes of insecurities, anxieties, and a general fuck this attitude that only a tried and true teenager could muster on a beat. What is it? Yulo says a lot of this comes from her years of moving around as a kid. While she was born in Germany, where she lived in three different cities as a small child, she has lived in several European countries and even even Texas for a spell. So it's sort of the same thing as Mitski, where it's like, oh, I had to move to the Congo for my dad's work, and then Indonesia, and then Venezuela. Yeah. It's like We were in Ukraine I, for a we while. We know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your dad is destabilizing democracies. And you're definitely living in, like, very nice places wherever you I just are. Keep you're fixating not in, like, a, on the a poor, uh, the poor word choices, the poor word choices of the writing, but like a tried and true teenager. Yeah, what, the, what does What's that, that mean? mean? It means nothing. It, it, it means you're just a you're a real teenager. You're not uh you're <laughs> you're not a forty year old with your ankles taped to the back of your thighs and shoes on your knees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even like a high school English teacher would just like cross out the like adjectives there, just be like, nope, just say teenager. <laughs> But I think uh, we ended up fixating in this episode much more on the Junos than the Grammys because uh, they're just popping off a little bit more right now, it seems like. Yeah, I think they're more... More weird shit gets in there. They're more interesting. Uh, you know, I'd like to see the Grammys platform someone uh, as challenging as Baby No Money. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the only Grammy prediction we ended up making was for Children's Album of the Year. So we're going to have to see this weekend uh, who wins and... and uh, test ourselves it was a 50 50 coin flip. yeah yeah i'm I'm going with my choice and whoever's listening to this i'm sure they just watched the grammys and um they already know who won the kids album of the year and they think we're idiots for getting it wrong so (sighs) we're sorry we're sorry sorry guys (laughs) 